So uh, I was doing some research. By the way, we're not in Ephesians today. Um, we were going to be. And uh, then this little thing happened on Tuesday. And then some even bigger things started happening on Wednesday and Thursday. And the division in this country, uh, unless you are completely turning a blind eye, is sad. And I, and I am grieved. And my heart has been heavy this week. And uh, I do believe that God just laid it on my heart to look at some various scriptures. And we need to look as... As those who are God's children, how do we live in times like this? How do we live? And so we'll be doing that uh, this morning. In 1871, an archaeologist named Charles Simon Claremont Genou, I think I pronounced that right, was digging or working in Jerusalem at the site of Herod's temple. They also call this the second, second temple because it was built after the first temple was destroyed in, by uh, the Babylonian Empire. You remember that when Nebuchadnezzar came in? Are you, are you turning that off on me? No, I'm just going to Okay. Maybe just turn it that way. That's okay. You're on video for all eternity on the internet now. Anyways, the first temple was, was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and his armies. And Judah was taken into captivity in Babylon. And that's where we see our heroes, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, amongst others, who stood up for, for what God wanted them to do. But at the site of the second temple in 1871, he found a stone with an inscription on it. And this was a stone that was on the wall or on the gate. And here's what the English transla translation of that inscription is. No stranger is to enter within the balustrade around the temple and enclosure. Whoever is caught will re be responsible to himself for his death, which will ensue. There was once a wall and a warning that divided where God dwelled to keep out outsiders. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And I'd like you to stand as we read this passage together, Ephesians chapter 2. And this will be a reminder of what we've already taught, but it's important for us to see. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who, were one, who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace 
to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for gathering us here this morning. Father, I would just ask that you would allow us by a miraculous work of your Holy Spirit who lives within us to set aside any distraction we may have and we would focus on your word and the calling that you've called us to. Oh, Father, we desire to be your people, to be about your kingdom, to share the good news that there is peace in Jesus Christ. So, Father, be with us this morning as we look into the scriptures. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Please uh, be seated. Now, we just read a, a passage in Ephesians chapter 2. And for those who've been around for the last year or so, you might say, Ron, what are you doing? We were there. Weren't we just there a few months ago? I remember you taught on the passage. Well, I wanted to come back to Ephesians 2 for a reminder. We need to remember what the church is. Who is the body of Christ? And Paul tells us what we are to remember. We were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now it's different. Because of Jesus, we are now in Christ. We who were once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ for he himself, Jesus, Jesus is our peace. He has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Now, we talked about this before, but look, before, Gentiles were outside. They were strangers. They were foreigners. That's how it was looked at. Israel certainly looked at it that way. And look, we even saw, don't enter the temple. Don't go to the dwelling place of God. Your life is at your own risk. If you do so, you will die. We will kill you. You do not have access to God. We do. And isn't it wonderful what Paul says? Now you have peace. Now the two have been made one. You see what Paul wrote. Before Christ, the dwelling of God on earth was either the tabernacle, before the temple, or it was the temple. And at this temple, there was a wall with a hostile and distinct warning to enter and die. But now in Christ, the wall is demolished, and he has made both Jew and Gentile one. Now, I don't know if when Paul wrote this, he had in mind this, this sign and this saying. But you see that the dividing wall is gone, and the hostility is gone. Jesus made peace. Is there peace in this world right now? No. Jesus reconciles people. Jesus reconciles both Jew and Gentile. Jesus, through the cross, killed, put to death the hostility. Jesus came and he preached peace. And he preached peace to all. Through repentance, there's peace. Through confession of our sins and running to Christ and the cross, there's peace. 
So today, those who are in Christ are united in Christ. All tribes, all tongues are all fellow citizens and saints. We are all members of the household of God. There's peace. There's reconciliation. So why did we turn here? Why the quick review? Please listen. The church must be, has to be, and we are called to be different than the world. Don't let this election or anything divide the church. So many Sundays a year, I'm blessed to be up here either leading worship or singing uh, in singing in song or preaching God's word. And as I look out at you, and then as I picture where you sit each week, most of you do a pretty good job. I like that. Some of you move all around and you really throw me off. Uh, but I picture you where you sit as I pray for you. And you know what I see? I see God's people. I see a people who are made one in Christ. And think about this for a moment. What if all of us here today gathered together but we were not united as citizens of Christ's kingdom. You know how different we all are? Do you know how much there could be potentially in here to divide us according to the flesh and according to the world? I mean, I don't want you to dwell on it too much, but what divides people? Social status? Some of you might have tons of money. Some of you might be very needy. That causes division in this world. Some of you might be Republicans. Some of you might be Democrats. Some of you might be independents. Some of you might be libertarians. Some of you might have voted for Hillary. Some of you might have voted for Trump. Some of you might have wrote someone in. Should that divide the church? It's, I, I started crying this week as I saw friends who know Jesus going at each other over a leader for four Years ate the max, people. Who, as Bruce so rightly said, is there sovereignly by God, like it or not? And I tell you what, I have my, I don't want to get political, never mind. I trust in a sovereign God. This is one where I wouldn't be, I knew I'd wake up on Wednesday just in the flesh, not happy. I know there are reasons and I don't want to get into politics because ultimately, really, it doesn't matter. This isn't our citizenship. I'm starting to get off track here. But you see, there is so much that can divide us. And let me tell you, Satan loves division. He loves to spin his little web and get people sight off of Christ. Hey, this church, you know, it has gone through division. And we as elders, we confess sin in areas that we did not handle that properly. But you know what ultimately happened is it's easy to take your eyes off of Jesus and to start care about the starting to care too much about the extras. And isn't it tragic? Isn't it sad? My heart is still broken over what happens when God's people divide. It ought not be that way because Jesus Christ destroyed the hostility through the cross. I mean, there's so much that in today's climate, we could click quickly 
and would quickly divide. Satan spins a web of war and hostility. Apart from Christ, division happens. But if we humble ourselves before Jesus Christ, we will not divide. His kingdom first, Jesus first, in all things that Christ may have preeminence. Big word. It means he's the boss. It means he's the important one. It means we are second, third, fourth, fifth. We are way down the list. The glory of Jesus Christ comes first. We are the church. We are God's people made up of every tribe, tongue, and nation. You know, I would be sad if we all looked the same. What a a shame that would be. But at the same time, I do not deny that those of you who come from a different ethnicity than me have challenges that I don't have. And so people, don't write off people's fears and hurts because they're different from you. Listen, be quiet and listen. And then have them and together come together and say, let's look at our savior. How can we help each other? We are divided. We are divided in ways that should not happen as a nation, but we must point people to Christ because he is the unifier and he kills hostility. Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Friends, in our church, in your homes, in your families, both here and extended, put Christ's kingdom first. Die to self. Here's a hard one. This one's hard for me. Die to winning arguments. My oldest daughter, we were talking about it. She'd probably kill me for saying that. She is superiorly gifted at being quiet and walking away knowing she's right. Whether she is or not. If she thinks she's right, she's... But you know what? She is not an arguer. That's how God made her. I mean, since she was little. She'd give you a look. And you would know the look was like, I'm right, Dad. You're not. But she just... She wouldn't talk. Where there are many words, sin is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is prudent or wise. Proverbs 10, 19. We don't have to win arguments. Have a quiet, steadfast hope in Christ. Be strong in the Lord and in his strength. I see people laughing. I'm making me nervous. I guess here's a question too. Are you more upset that your friends, your kids, or your family members didn't vote as you did than you are over the condition of their souls or their sanctification? or even their salvation. Some people are really mad if you didn't vote the way they wanted. I've seen believers who are really, really upset if you didn't vote the way that they felt was right. Are they that upset of a world that's going to hell without Christ? Do we care about the kingdom? See, as a body of Christ, as Grace Bible Church, we have a job to do these next four years.
And it's a job that all of us who are in Christ can unite behind and accomplish by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the grace of God. Yes, we go with God on this one. Our job is not to convince people that the right man is the president. Our job is not to convince people that the wrong man is president. We have a ministry to the world. We have a ministry to our country, which begins with the ministry that we have to our neighbors and to one another. We are to be instruments of peace and reconciliation. That is our calling. That is our job. Kingdom first. 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. By the way, I started at verse 17. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a gift. He gave us a job, the ministry of reconciliation. What is our ministry? Reconciliation. Christ reconciled us, and we gave, he gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. Yes, I repeated myself three times. It's important. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the hostile, I'm adding this, the hostile world to himself, not counting their sins or their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us, to you, to me, entrusting to the church the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made himself to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. We have a ministry. We have a job. We are ambassadors for Christ. We represent Christ. And I know I stole this from something I read this week and I read a whole lot this week. Might have been Russell Moore. Welcome to the embassy, friends. Welcome to the embassy of God's kingdom as we walk through these doors. We gather as ambassadors. We gather in our embassy. We gather in our church. And this is what we say. And it's from a hymn. Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love and power. Come ye thirsty, come and welcome. God's free bounty glorify. True belief and true repentance, every grace that brings you nigh. Come, you weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. Let not conscience make you linger, nor of fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requires is to fill your need of him. We call to sinners as ambassadors for Christ to come be reconciled to God through the cross. As ambassadors, we proclaim the glories of our king. We call people to come to Christ. You know, there are so many passages that we can jump to. 
you know, I, I admit that in a way I'm just sharing my heart. These are some passages that jumped out at me as I was praying for all of us. I was praying for our nation. I was really reflecting on these scriptures this week. And we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper in a bit. And I want to turn to one final passage and just spend a little bit of time there. Again, folks, this is nothing deep. This is just, I, I, I so desperately want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged that we have a great king who brings peace. But we are to live in godliness. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith in truth. There's some lessons here for us on how we are to live. Look what Paul writes to Timothy. First, let's be a praying people. Let's first and foremost be a people who pray. Any of you panickers by nature? Like that's just a certain struggle? Thanks, Karen. I know. <laughs> Some of us are. Like that's an instant, ah! Pray. Pray. Am I the only one, or are some of you distressed by what you see on the news? What's going on in the streets? It brings a pit to my stomach. I, I get nervous for my friends in law enforcement. I get nervous for my friends. I get nervous for our nation. I, I, I don't like it. I, I mean, I really, if God has taught me anything through the years, you guys probably have no idea how much I truly hate division and conflict. It puts me in a bad, bad spot. It really weakens me if I live in the flesh. I have to run to God on these things. But let's be a praying people. Look at the language Paul uses here. I urge, urge. Opposite of recommend. Do it. It's urgent. Remember when, no, maybe you don't. Remember when there were pagers? <laughs> Goes back and you like, remember it was like a status symbol. <laughs> I, got, I got a pager. <laughs> Isn't that great? Bzz. Oh, excuse me. This is important. And we'd look at it. How did they say, how would a person who really needed to get a hold of you what would they do? They'd punch in their number and hit 911. Now, I don't know if any of you were in sales, but I had customers who every single page was 911. And so I started to test them. Or then, you know, I'd call and like, hey, it's Ron. 
Oh, hold on. Hold on, 911, hold on. It must not have been 911. Right? But when it truly is urgent, you know. Any of you ever call your spouse and they didn't answer? And you didn't leave a voicemail, what do you do? Redial. Redial, redial, redial. Keep doing it. And then all of a sudden you'll look like, I guess Karen really wants to reach me. I better call. When it's urgent, we make sure everyone knows I need this done. Paul says, I urge you. This is important. This is necessary. It isn't an option. I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Simply put, I urge you to pray. Pray for all peoples. Pray for those who are protesting, friends. Pray for those who are hurting. Pray for those who are scared. Now you may say, you don't need to be scared, but they are, okay? Don't convince, pray for them. And who casts out fear? Christ. Give them Christ. Don't tell them to be happy when they're not happy. They're not gonna be happy. They're not, it's obvious. Give them Christ, the author of true happiness. Enjoy. Enjoy in the midst of trials. Guys, hey, we all could be, I mean, 50% of this country is like really unhappy. 50 per, I don't even know if it's 50% is really happy. A, a chunk, I mean, no one's really happy. Sorry, try not to go there. Karen's giving me a look. Happiness isn't found in this. Run to Christ. Pray for those who are hurting. Pray for those who think that the Messiah has come. You think I'm joking. I've seen things that look that way. Pray for the scared. Friends, pray for the illegal immigrant. They are scared. Now, staying politics aside, guess what? They are our neighbors. They need the gospel. They are not a political issue. They are souls who need Jesus Christ. I cannot say that any louder or any firmer. And yes, there are reasons for protection, and that is the government's job. And I don't want to get into whole, you know, political arguments here. But since they're here, since refugees are here, we have a job to do. We are ambassadors for Christ. Let's give them the gospel. These are our neighbors. Pray for the refugee, pray for all people. Pray. You know what happens when you pray? You start to look at them differently. You start to look at people as those who have value, those who are souls who need our Savior. Pray for me. Some of you right now is like, man, the thing's coming out. I'm praying for Ron for sure. We need prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer. Our country needs prayer. Our country needs Jesus. Pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Pray for revival. Pray for the nations to turn to Jesus Christ. 
And pray for our leaders, as it says. Pray for kings and those in high positions. We are called to pray for our leaders. These last eight years, did you pray for President Obama? Shame on you if you didn't. You are disobedient if you didn't. Pray for our leaders. Pray for Christ to take hold, not just an empty morality. I think sometimes we think that maybe a certain age was the godly age. Maybe the, you know, we just need to return to the values of the 50s. Tell that to somebody who was under segregation. They don't want to go back to the 50s. Look at things through different people's eyes. I don't want to go back to that. I was watching something the other day and I saw sharecropper housing. Our country is sinful. We are against isms. Fight against all sin. There was no glory days. The glory days are coming. We are to lead peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. Friends, to your conversations, your social media posts, your interactions with others, do they promote peace or hostility? Remember, we are ambassadors for Christ. Are you adding to the noise or are you bringing calm and quiet? Are your interactions with friends and family or your foes, are they godly and dignified? Maybe we should pray before we hit send. Maybe we should pray before we open our mouths. It's not a maybe. I urge you to pray. I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people, this is all nations, this is everyone, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And why are we quiet? Why are we godly? Why are we dignified? Because of Jesus, he is the one who brings peace. There is one mediator. There's one who bridges the gap. There's one who bridges and takes away the hostility, the dividing wall, the separation, the sinfulness that separated us from God, the mediator, the man, Jesus Christ. Who gave himself as a ransom for all. We offer freedom as ambassadors for Christ. We offer reconciliation. We show people that it comes through Jesus Christ. Christ, it's about Jesus, his kingdom first. We proclaim victory in Jesus. He is our Savior.
There is no one else who is our Savior. We proclaim peace with God through Jesus Christ. Remember, we are ambassadors for Christ, proclaiming to all men, women, nationalities, and political parties, find peace, find reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ. We're ambassadors. Welcome to the embassy. Let's proclaim the glories of our king, shall we? Man, being a pastor is hard sometimes. Talk on marriage, okay. Talk on parenting, okay. Look, I have no doubt that if we started talking politics in here, we'd have many, many different views. And oh, how the enemy would love to just wrap that and get us all worked up. So let's not do this. It's Jesus. We proclaim Christ. It's a whole lot easier to preach God and country. But it's the right thing to preach Christ crucified. Amen.